0: welcome once again to the coffee and heroes podcast it is time now for our previews show this is our monthly look through the previews books the dc the marvel and the indie books picking out the best of what is coming out for you so these are the march books and these are titles coming out in may so your host is always alan the owner of coffee and heroes a comic book store in smithfield market in belfast and i'm joined this evening as always by keith how are you sir
1: I am not bad.
0: You know, it's it's always a tough one with the previews books. You know, it's we're essentially telling you titles to pick up and we haven't read them. This isn't like a reviews podcast where we can stand behind our picks, but you know, we always have our different sort of touchstones when it comes to previews, whether it's creators we uh we follow their work or whether it's uh, a genre that we like or maybe it's just a solicitation has maybe particularly struck a chord. So what we always do is we go through the DC books, the Marvel books, the indie books, and uh again just pick out the the things we're looking forward to. But yeah, I mean with the for a brief overview on the books, I mean with the DC book, DC Connect this month, it's definitely for me anyway a case of quality over quantity this month. You know, I, I find that DC are maybe streamlining their uh their output a little bit. Of course, it's still 80% Batman related, but they are streamlining their output. You know, there's there's not loads of number ones in this month's book, and sometimes that's not a bad thing. You know, I, I think a lot of the ongoing titles at DC at the moment are very, very strong. Uh, we did, of course, get an announcement in the last week that got us very excited regarding one of their, you know, mainline uh, flagship titles. So uh, we'll certainly chat a little bit about that. We've got uh, a new Prestige Plus Black Label book to look forward to. Well for me to look forward to uh, and for once it's not batman related as well but it looks absolutely fantastic got some interesting one shots in there we've got a, a new tom Keene maxi series kicking off which i think is always cause for celebration i you know i know i'm a fully paid up member of the cult of keen but i just think he has this little corner to himself in the dc universe and is doing some really interesting things there with sort of 12 issue maxi series We've got previews of free comic book day titles and sort of the lead up to the next big DC event of the summer. And then you also have the return of a, a much loved. What was a Vertigo title, but of course it'll fall under uh, DC Black Label. and It's the return of uh, a big series, uh, but it's not going to be a brand new number one. They're going to continue their numbering, which is which is great to see. And then, yeah, a few strong trade paperbacks at the back and uh, an absolute edition of something that I'm very much looking forward to. So, yeah, strong months for DC, but again, I must stress it's definitely a case of uh, minimalism this month, quality over quantity. So, how about that Marvel book? How's it looking?
1: uh well now uh may is looking to be pretty packed full for the house of ideas um across a good number of their of their lines um donny Cates gets into the meat of his hulk thor 60th anniversary crossover aptly named banners of war uh following from the 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 one shot set up in april there um Odin looks to be in here, which is interesting considering what's uh, going on with Thor currently. Um, but there, there less us say Yeah, that'll um, be one for the reviews. One for the reviews. What's that? Oh, definitely, <laughs> yes. Thunderbolts, who are my all time favourite Marvel team, the original lineup at least, uh, are are back in some form here. So let's see what form that will take. Uh, there's quite a few other limited series popping up this week um, as well. Our buddy Ran V is covering writing duties on the regular Venom and Carnage. Series this month, so he's uh, he's full on uh, full on symbiote madness. Uh, while Ben Riley's classic Spider-Man under uh, the original Ben Reilly writer, J.M. uh comes to De Mateus, De Mateus comes to uh, an end after five issues. There's some interesting offerings from offerings from the X office in May. Uh, continuing series still going strong, and the second Age of Krakoa books, all two or three issues in, and there's uh, also something new there. Jason Aaron continues to beaver away on his Avengers corner uh, with both the core book and Avengers Forever going strong. And the uh, the Lady Thor Valkyrie Jane Foster image on the cover of Avengers has my interest. Uh, there's some classic Conan on the go in the omnibus form uh, with uh, Conan the, classic Conan the Barbarian, classic, classic Savage Sword. And we also get the close out of Jason Aaron's King Conan. And that's not to mention the raft of other great omnibuses and trades that are out this month.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a particularly strong-looking Marvel book this month, so there'll be plenty for us to sink our teeth into there. With regards to the indie book you know as always tons and tons of titles throughout the indie book and I have to say this month it seems a bit more lopsided than normal. I think Image is looking really really strong this month. There's some original graphic novels, there's some great new mini looking mini series coming, there's something for the the people who like the little peek behind the curtain with a a really class looking process edition. There's uh, a lot of their titles are continuing very very strong at the moment. With the other companies, there's definitely some good stuff amongst that as well, but it just seems very clear to me this month that Image is is definitely leading the way, and we'll certainly get into that. But that being said, we we have picked out a few books from maybe a couple of Sort of lesser-known um, companies. There's a company called Magnetic. There's a couple of great-looking graphic novels that have a very distinct European flavour to them. And then also something from Albatross Funny Books as well, which looks really, really cool. So, yeah, we, we've done our best to pick out a good variety there, but, yeah, it's hard to escape the fact we'll be talking about Image quite substantially in that. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's your brief overview, but we'll delve into it now in a bit of detail. And as always, we'll kick things off with DC. And as I said in the intro, there was some really big news this week that that broke regarding one of DC's flagship titles, which of course is Batman. You know, Batman in the Rebirth theory, you had eighty-five issues with the same writer, with Tom King. Then you had a, a further sort of twenty-plus issues with one writer, James Tinian the Fourth, and then we were all very excited when Joshua Williamson took over. But it just looks like he's going to be uh, doing a short run with with the. Um, With this book, it seems to be in May that he will be pretty much closing out his Batman run. He did a four-issue story arc, which concluded this week, actually. And then he's going to be doing an ambitious crossover with all the the core titles he's writing, which is Batman, um, Deathstroke Inc, and Robin. It's uh, called Shadow War, which looks really, really cool. But after that, the big news that we were treated to is that one of our absolute favourite creators, uh, Chip Sudarski, will be taking over Batman now. That news is is a little further down the road. It's not highlighted in this book, but it is something that we're we're certainly very aware of. So this month, May, as I say, it's going to show you a lot of Shadow War. So you're going to have it finishing off through the pages of Batman, through Deathstroke, through Robin, as I say. And then there's a couple of one shots hitting this month that will sort of finish it off. You've got Shadow War Zone, which will be a special issue that sort of showcases the spread and impact of the Shadow War on the DCU. So I get the feeling it'll have a very anthology uh, based flavor to it. And then, of course, there'll be the conclusion to Shadow War, which is Shadow War Omega number one as well. But for you traditional Batman fans this month as well, there is a brand new Batman number one. I know, shock horror, a brand new number one. It seems like we say that every month for Batman, but, <laughs> you know, we're in bat territory you now. I mean, we're recording this Thursday night, I should say. This time tomorrow night, I will have, I will be, no, I'll be two hours into the Batman. Still an article, a three hour Batman movie. On target, yes. Stay on target, Alan, stay on target. Anyway, uh, but yeah, as I say, I'm going to just showcase this mini-series, which is a series called Batman Fortress, so brand new number one of uh, six, or sorry, one of eight, I beg your pardon. So this is written by Gary Whitta, who's a a well-established screenwriter, uh, was one of the writers on Star Wars Rogue One, for example, and the art on this is Derek Robertson, who recently did a Legends of the Dark Knight run and is perhaps better known as the artist on The Boys So with this one, it's when an unknown alien ship enters Earth's atmosphere, disrupting global power and communications, and plunging the planet into chaos, the world is left wondering, where is Superman when he is needed most? In the mysterious absence of the last son of Krypton, Batman must rally the rest of the Justice League to counter the alien threat, but first he must quell a crime wave on the blacked-out streets of Gotham. Jeez, this could tie in very nicely to Batman One Dark Night with its uh, blacked-out streets of Gotham. Uh, Gary <laughs> Whitta and Derek Robertson have joined forces to tell a brutal and shocking adventure that will turn everything you think you know about Superman upside down. Trust the Batman book to still find a way to send that abuse for Superman. Poor guy, I tell you. Yeah, and who's the writer on this? As I say, it's Gary Whitta. Um, so he wrote Star Wars Rogue One. It's it's always interesting to see screenwriters turn their hand to comics. I get the mm. feeling so many of them grew up loving comics. You know, we've obviously talked Rodney Barnes before. Uh, a very famous one was Jeff Loeb. Obviously, Kevin Smith, it, um, Mattson Tomlin. Another one with Batman: The Impostor recently. So it's it's always interesting to see that they have this love of uh, they have this love of the comic industry and want to actually do a few titles in it. So yeah, Batman Fortress Number One. It's uh, it definitely has my attention. Anyway, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, interesting. Um, what is also interesting is uh, the Batman Twenty Twenty Two Annual. Uh, I just noticed that it's been written by Ed Breeson, which is, uh, is always something worth noting. And the the, the premise sounds like they are be setting something up following the events of the Abyss story arc, which, of course, is the Joshua Williams story arc that's currently running. Uh, Batman has now tasked Ghostmaker to finance and lead Batman Incorporated, uh, first order of business for the new management, clean up the huge mess Lex like Luthor created in Chechnya. But uh, this is this new group ready to face the fearsome new threat of Grey Wolf and prepare yourself for the evolution of Crown Hunter. That sounds like an awful lot of stuff that has been set up, you know. So and that idea of Ghost Maker in charge of uh, Batman I is really interesting as well.
0: Yeah, it's cool as well to see their art by John Timms, who of course is uh, the main artist on Superman, son of Cal El. So of course, yeah. good, good creative team there with uh, the Batman Annual. But. Uh... Yeah, I mean, the the next one sort of to chat about, I, I don't know how much you'll want to chat about it. You know, it's uh, it's an Aquaman book. It mm-hmm. has a great creative team. It's written by Ram V. It's art by Christian Ward. But I think you're going to dismiss this one straight out of the bat.
1: Uh, I am. I am. Uh, <laughs> it is a Prestige Plus book. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's one of those Prestige Plus books that I go, oh, my God, it tests, it tests my resolve. Uh, You know, because if you get a cosmic horror take on the King of Atlantis from two of comics hottest rising stars, as you say, Ram V and Christian Warren, the solicitation sounds sounds great. Deep in the Pacific Ocean at the furthest possible distance from any land sits Point Nemo, the spaceship graveyard. Since the dawn of the space race, the nations of Earth uh, have sent their crafts there and splashed down to sink beneath the silent seas. But there is something else at Point Nemo, a structure never made by human hands, and the structure seems to be waking up. The crew of the experimental submarine Andromeda powered by a mysterious black hole drive have been chosen to investigate this mystery, but they aren't the only ones pursuing it. Anything of value beneath the ocean is of value to the master pirate Black Manta, and anything that attracts Black Manta attracts Arthur Curry, his lifelong foe, the Aquaman. But heaven help them all when the doors of the mystery point Nemo swing wide to admit them, Uh, bracing cosmic horror. Uh, sensibility to Aquaman, um, and if someone can do that, it's V. you know. So uh, yeah, that sounds like it sounds like it's going to be good,
0: good crack. You, you'll have to tell me what it's like. <laughs> you mean I'll have to lend you my issues so you can read them? But it's it's just as long as you don't have to store them. That's where your bugbear comes from. You that see, is where the bugbear comes. I from. was sensible recently. I went and bought a magazine-sized. Uh, storage box which slots beautifully beside my normal size storage boxes to you know nicely keep all my black label titles. So uh-huh. I, I I don't see what the problem is here. You're going to be convinced one day. I'm telling you.
1: You know, part of it, part of it, Alan, is the price as well. Yeah, uh, and the, and we've talked about it. The use of the format. You know, I don't. You know, you could see if uh, you know mm-hmm. everybody was buying DC black label books, suddenly they'll go here. Listen, we can put all our issues up to five seven ninety nine, and nobody nobody matter.
0: I think it's a social experiment. I think they're testing you. Well, you're, you're you're selling them short there because it's a six ninety nine title rather than a seven uh, ninety nine. Ah, okay, title. fair enough. <laughs> selling them a little short there, but no, I I agree. I think this title looks fantastic. I'm a big fan of Christian Ward's art style, and it almost looks like it's set in the deep reaches of space. It's got that sort of cosmic flavor to it, and yeah, the idea of horror as well. I mean, Scott Snyder did this years ago with Sean Murphy, a title called The Wake, and the basic premise was everyone's so obsessed with space travel and what's out there when you know, 80% of the ocean is un- unexplored, so who knows what horrors lurk there. So, uh, you
1: know, uh, James Cameron did it in the in the 90s with The Abyss.
0: With The Abyss as well, yeah. That was, that's a great, movie. great oh, movie. It really is, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll move away from that, Aquaman Andromeda, and on to one that just looks a heck of a lot of fun, I think. <laughs> this is the kind of thing you could only have in comics, to be honest. Uh, so... As we talked about on last month's previews pod, uh, the Justice League is coming to an end with the death of the Justice League, issue 75. So how are we going to fill that void? I'll tell you how we're going to fill that void with the Jurassic League. You're laughing. You know you want this. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It even comes with the subtitle of Defenders of Truth, Justice in the Prehistoric Way. Uh, So first of all, for me, the, the cool thing here is Daniel Warren Johnson's involved. Daniel Warren Johnson, I'm a huge fan of, the great work on Better Ray Bill recently. He uh, created, wrote, and drew my favorite graphic novel of two years ago, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. Uh, now, in this case, he's just writing and doing covers, but uh, the artist is no slouch either, Juan Gideon. So for this one, as you know the story, an infant escapes the destruction of its home planet and is deposited on Earth to be raised by human parents. A goddess from a lost city defends truth. A Tyrannosaurus Rex dons the visage of a bat to strike fear into evildoers' hearts. This heroic trinity, alongside a league of other super-powered dinosaurs, join forces to save a prehistoric Earth from the sinister machinations of Darkseid. Wait, what? Maybe you don't know the story. <laughs> so join us and bear witness to a brand new, yet older-than-time, adventure and experience at Justice League as you have never seen them before. Tell me that doesn't sound more interesting than probably the last 25 issues of Justice League.
1: <laughs> My two favourite things, like superheroes and dinosaurs so good to go good
0: to go yeah it looks great so um yeah a lot of the the book from here is uh taken up by one shots annuals that kind of thing you've got nubia coronation special that's going to spin out of the events of uh the amazonian wars the the trial of the amazons which has been uh, going through the wonder woman books you've got dc versus vampires you've got a uh, one shot for it which is dc versus vampires hunters number one good to see it's written by matthew rosenberg as well a lot of one shots sometimes can veer away from the original creators but of course matthew rosenberg is one of the writers on that and then we come to a title that i believe you need a little bit of convincing on
1: yeah yeah uh i've read the solicitation i've heard a, a preview on uh, on the house to astonish podcast the, the other day and uh, this is as you mentioned tom king's new book and uh art and covers by uh, jorge fornez so you know, there's nothing here that says this shouldn't be good, especially after Supergirl, which I, I finished. Uh, I finished this morning, and it's just it's just the best of things in Rorschach. But I think it's the concept that's just not grabbing me. Um, says joining the Justice League is a goal, is the goal for any superhero. But what happens when a quest for a membership takes a sinister turn? Join Starman, Metamorpho, and Warlord as they look to prove themselves worthy by summoning and defeating Darkseid in battle. Soon they'll learn that calling upon a new god never ends well and the world is heading for a crisis as a result. The journey to see if the day will be treacherous and one filled with princesses, knights and all kinds of monsters. Each person the heroes encounter plays a crucial role in the sprawling yet gripping narrative that is a bit silly, a whole lot dark and completely cool. Expect the unexpected with a supporting cast featuring Manhunter, Lady Cop, the Green Team and the Creeper. Inspired by the heroes and villains of the first issue special, Tom King and Jorge Fornes. Uh, again, that's the, the Rorschach team. Return for an unforgettable miniseries that reimagines the characters and their stories. A multi-character, multi layered crime drama starring some of DC's most obscure creations. No one will see it coming, but everyone will want to see where it goes. See,
0: see, you fall under that umbrella, Keith. Everyone will want to see where it goes. It doesn't say except you, Keith. Oh, uh, right, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the thing is here, it's just it's having trust in your creators. I mean, again, we we extol the virtues all the time of following creators, and Tom King's always built the niche, I think, of taking obscure characters and doing something interesting with them. I mean, was anybody interested in Mr. Miracle before he took that on with Mitch Dreads? Strange Adventures, Adam Strange was at best a C-list hero. You know, even taking something like Rorschach as well, where the sort of spirit of Rorschach hangs over that book a lot, but, you know, the characters maybe not in it so much. I just think that Tom King he's always looking to do something different. And because of that cast of characters, I don't have a lot of preconceived notions on them. I like that. I like that into the unknown. It's not a Batman story where I have, you know, I bring certain baggage to a story like that or a justice league story. It's sort of a blank slate and it's DC black label. It's Tom Keane. It's Jorge Fornes. It's Dave Stewart on art or on uh, color. Sorry. I'm all the way on, on this plus we're back to his preferred format. 12 issues. PS. Why was Supergirl Not 12 issues. And uh, what what do you know about Lady Cobb? I know very little. That's the thing. I mean, Tom King was sort of teasing us on Twitter a little bit, and he was showing, like, the first appearances of these characters, and it was the most obscure, random-looking thing. But you can tell he was enjoying that as well. I think that gives you a certain level of creative freedom as well. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I say this all the time about Marvel because one of the reasons Daredevil is one of my favorite characters is because creators can take Daredevil to places they can't take Spider-Man to places they can't take the Avengers. Uh, And that just makes it, you know, you can make Mm. so many more bold storytelling choices. If this was called danger street, but the main characters in it were say Batman, green lantern and the flash, there's probably certain story elements or, or directions of story you can't go in, but you can do it with this. And that's, I mean, I'm all the way on on this. And plus he's even brought Darkseid into it. He's, he's still playing about with the new gods a little bit as well. And mm-hmm. and I think after that movie sadly fell apart uh, that he was going to be doing, uh, that he was going to be writing, I think this is maybe a, a good way of getting some of that out of his system, I suppose. Yeah, uh,
1: maybe. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I'll, yeah, I mean, I'm probably kidding myself, but.
0: definitely it definitely is gonna definitely gonna
1: take me a wee while to come around to it
0: that's fair that's fair but it also has dr fate there on the cover as well and that's a an underused character in the dc universe if you ask me so justice league dark but uh yeah there's also a couple of milestone titles coming out as well so milestone of course was uh was a massive deal in the 90s especially it was trailblazing um A a, a trailblazing comic. It, It introduced characters of color. It introduced new characters, new superheroes. And DC acquired the license a few years back. They recently did a Static Shock series, Icon and Rocket. They've been reprinting some of the older stuff. So there's two new books coming out this month. One is Blood Syndicate, season one. This is going to be six issues. And then you've also got Duo, which is also six issues as well. So. I mean, there's great creators on these. Blood Syndicate is Jeffrey Thorne, who's currently writing Green Lantern, and art by Chris Coss and Juan Castro. And Duo is written by Greg Pak, uh, with art by Coy Fam and Scott Hanna. So, some interesting looking books here from Milestone. Milestone's not a label I know an awful lot about. I've recently acquired the Milestone Compendium, so I can read some of those earlier stories. So, uh, but I'll be I'll be curious to see them done with a modern twist as well. So. Yeah, a couple to look out for there, but something DC definitely are spotlighting this month. It's right in the centre pages of the DC Connect, no less, is the route to their next big uh, their next big adventure.
1: Yes, so we get two titles here: Justice League Road to Dark Crisis, written by Joshua Williamson, Jeremy Adams, who's the current Flash writer, Brandon Thomas, Chuck Brown, Stephanie Phillips, and Philip Kennedy Johnson. And then we have the Dark Crisis Free Comic Book Day Special, 2022. Uh, we know the the gist with the free comic day special editions, but also written by, Joshua Williamson and and, and a bunch of others. Um, I guess this is what follows the fall of the Justice League.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it.
1: And and will I assume that uh, this is uh, this this new dark crisis has been shepherded by Joshua Williamson?
0: I would imagine so. I think this is maybe one of the reasons why he's he can't devote time to the main Batman title is that. I mean, Joshua Williamson has been sort of shepherding the DC Universe quite a bit ever since Infinite Frontier. He's been behind a lot of the the moving parts in the background. And with this one, Dark Crisis seems to be the next big event they're they're going to. So, as you say, Justice League Road to Dark Crisis follows Justice League 75, which is also written by Joshua Williamson. It's due out in April. And it basically says the Justice League has tragically fallen in battle and now we see the aftermath. How does the world react to the Justice League being gone? Which heroes rise up? On which villains try to take advantage, and what dark forces are landing in wait to attack. So this is setting the stage, it says, for next month's Dark Crisis event. So Dark Crisis will kick off in earnest then in June. But as you say, there's also a free comic book day issue. So I would imagine some of the material from Road 2 will be in the free comic book day edition. I remember mm-hmm. last year this happened with, I think it was Fear State, and there was a Batman yeah, so free right. comic yeah. book day. Yeah, read the free comic book day she thought this is great i can't wait for fear state and in the first issue of fear state i was like i've read this before yeah
1: exactly yeah yeah
0: so yeah. my advice okay. here definitely would be pick up the free comic book day issue which of course we will have loads of on free comic book day always uh the first saturday in may so keep an eye out for that but uh by the look of it i mean that's a, a one shot which coming in at 48 pages so you know We'll see. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the next big DC event. Joshua Williamson is definitely a talent to stand behind and therefore I think it's something we can really, really look forward to. But I think more information will start to seep out slowly over the over the next uh, coming months. Mm-hmm. But uh, just to sort of finish off the DC just with a couple of bits and pieces, uh, that much-loved Vertigo title I was talking about is Fables. Fables, of course, the creation of Bill Willingham. And Fables ran for 150 issues, and then it it was over. From what I understand, it ended very satisfyingly. But it's coming back, and not only are they not starting at number one, they're starting at number 151. So uh, it's going to be kicking off with a 12-issue story arc called The Black Forest. Bill Willingham is back, and then art is by Mark Buckingham and Steve Lealoha as well. So if you're a Fables fan, this is just in time for the 20th anniversary of the launch of Fables which makes me feel old straight away. I remember Fables number one coming out. So uh yeah, if you're a Fables fan, that is definitely going to be right up your alley. And then just finally, just there were a couple of cool looking trades being solicited this month for, for titles that we very much enjoyed in the last while. You've got Batman The Adventures Continue Season 2 trade paperback. You've got Justice League Last Ride, which was the uh Chip Zdorsky title. You've got... Justice League Dark, The Great Wickedness, all those brilliant backups from Justice League done by Ram V and Dan Waters are being collected into a trade. You've also got, uh, finally, I can't say this enough, finally, Batman the Deluxe Book 6, which finishes off Tom Keane's run. I have the five deluxe books for so long, and this one's going to incorporate the City of Bane stuff. And then another big one for me is certainly Absolute Swamp Thing by Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson, which is essentially Swamp Thing from the very, very start but in that glorious, absolute format. My one hope for that, uh, and just mark these words, my one hope for that is that it will not be recolored because sometimes they try to modernise older books and they do this garish, Ooh. horrible, multicoloured colour scheme instead of just sticking to what made the original work so well. So, uh... Ooh yeah as i say there's there's plenty of stuff in the dc but a little less maybe than usual but again i think dc are maybe holding back a little bit before they uh run full gear into that summer event in dark crisis so that is dc for the month of march let's hit up marvel and geez there's a lot to get through <laughs>
1: there's there's plenty but uh do you want to uh, do you want to kick us off alan
0: I will kick us off simply because I've been on a little bit of a Captain America kick recently. I've been reading what is you know, universally recognized as one of the best runs in Caps history, that being the Ed Brubaker run. Uh, I've just recently finished off the first omnibus by Ed Brubaker, the, the Winter Soldier stuff. I've just started the the death of Captain America, which follows that up. So I'm on a little bit of a Cap kick, and there's going to be a couple of new Captain America titles launching. Not both this month, but the first one is coming this month. I remember we chatted last month on the previews about a Captain America Zero issue. And from what I understand, that was essentially going to set up these two series. One is going to follow uh, Steve Rogers, but the one launching in May is going to follow Sam Wilson. So this one is called Captain America Symbol of Truth. So it's a brand new number one uh, written by Toshi Oniabushi. And the art is R.B. Silva, so a Marvel uh, dab hand right there. And for this one, it kicks off with a 40 page number one. And Sam Wilson picks up the shield once more and enters a world of trouble. Following a lead from Misty Knight, Sam intercepts a mysterious group hijacking what appears to be an empty train. As he digs deeper, he discovers that the plot may be connected to a crucial piece of a Captain America history, and surprisingly, Wakanda. The world is ready for two Captain Americas, but is Sam Wilson ready for what comes next? So this is uh, opening up what is described as a thrilling new chapter of Captain America history. So, Definitely one to look forward to, I think, there. Uh, lovely cover to kick things off as well. Although I have to say there is a uh, a variant cover there that looks pretty fantastic, very heavily based on the actual uh, Captain America Samuelson from the, the MCU. That is rather lovely.
1: Yeah, very nice. Um, so I mentioned there was a, a bunch of number ones uh, coming out. So yeah, you've kicked one off there with uh, with, the of, with the symbol of Liberty. Was that it? Um, symbol of truth. Symbol of truth. I was thinking Sentinel of Sentinel of Liberty, uh, which is a previous Captain America so But we've also got another number one with the uh, relaunch of Savage Avengers with number one uh, David Pippose and Carlos Magno, who of course was the artist on uh, the Invaders uh, series of Chip Zdarsky, I think um, it was in there somewhere. But uh, there's a lovely cover by Lionel Francis Hue doing his best John Romita Jr. And there's also a variant covered by John Amita Jr. Um, (laughs) It's the all-new, all-different, all-dangerous team who assembles. Since his exile from the Hyborian Age, Conan the Barbarian has conquered the most dangerous foes of modern Marvel Universe has to offer. But what happens when this hard-aged Cimmerian finds himself in the run from the cybernetic soldier of the future known as Deathlock? Deathlock's been popping up a fair wee bit in the Marvel Universe of late. Outgunned and outmatched, Conan must... Turn to an unlikely group of loners, berserkers, and killers if he hopes to survive the night. But can these savage Avengers defy Deathlock's murderous manhunt? Or will they become the next target in the crosshairs of tomorrow? Don't miss out on a bold new beginning for Marvel's most savage superheroes, as Ringo Award winning uh, writer David Papose, Spencer and Locke, Scout's Honor, and the superstar artist Carlos Magno, Kang the Conquer, Robocop Dead and Alive, um, introduce a sensational new lineup that resonates with across every era of the House of Ideas. I dropped this a while ago, but I might pick this first issue up, just to see what the crack is.
0: Yeah, and it, it coincides nicely as well with a good writer. I thought that Scout's Honor miniseries was pretty fantastic. Was, that was through Aftershock comics.
1: Good. Very good. I see uh, I see, uh, Daredevil, uh, Lady, uh, Woman Without Fear. Mm-hmm. I see Weapon Edge there, and I see, uh, oh, what did you call him? Uh, Andy venom uh, mm-hmm. is there as well and cloak and dagger by the looks of it so and sorry actually that is the john remedi junior cover that i was i was slagging off leno francis hugh for (laughs) copying. Uh, my uh, deepest apologies
0: is that black knight in the background of the leno francis hugh cover if you skim across one uh there is the actual leno U cover where you've got Deathlock at the front conan that is the black knight yeah Uh one of my current favorite characters yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, I think I'll be picking that one up as well. I mean, I've been loving anything Conan based. I really like Elektra as Daredevil as well. And yeah, with the the writing team on that, I think I'll I'll definitely give that a go. But uh, I see Marvel kicking off a, a Spidey centric event. This must uh, have you excited?
1: Oh yes, especially it, given it's Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Spider Man twenty ninety nine Exodus Alpha number one plus spider man twenty ninety nine exodus number one and two so that's the the one shot that's kicking off the series that seems to be such a popular way to do things these days uh and then the first two issues of the the mini series with both with lovely Lionel Lionel u covers and two amazing Stegman covers um I can't believe we're celebrating the thirtieth anniversary of spider man twenty ninety nine uh, but uh i mean i'm I'm happy that we are so the alpha. Uh, the Alpha uh, is, is written by Steve Orlando with art by Paul Fry. Uh, Miguel O'Hara is back after fighting across the time stream. Miguel O'Hara is at last defending his present and our future. For Spider-Man 2099, the only thing constant about life in uh, New York is change. So when a cataclysmic crash creates a new Garden of Eden in what was once America's wasteland, Spider-Man knows exactly what the next atrocity will be, watches the cabal plans to set society ablaze, and you'll never guess who's leading them. Um Steve Orlando was the writer across this series. Uh, uh, Dave Wachter is the artist on issue one. And uh, Marco Castiello is the writer on issue two. As I say, the first two issues have great uh, Stegman covers. The first issue says introducing the Winter Soldier of 2099. Uh, interested to see that. And um, the second issue... Uh well, there's a few other bits and pieces going on there uh, introduces uh, Loki which I will be the same Loki but 30 years of Spider-Man 2099
0: now I'm yet to be convinced that Steve Orlando Yeah, as a writer um, there's some interesting stuff there was uh, one that he did recently I think was he was the writer I think on Martian Manhunter uh, which was a 12 issue mini series for DC now it was very very good but beyond that, uh, there's not a lot. I tried to get into Commanders and in Crisis. It just wasn't for me. Couldn't do it. Yep. Uh, so there's been a couple of bits and pieces here and there. But, yeah, I mean, the the depressing thing is all these logos that keep popping up for Marvel with, like, 30 years and 50 years. And I think I was chatting to you the other day about Ghost Rider being 60 years. And you I know, like, I Alan, know. don't be stupid. That's, like, you know, no, the early 70s. And I was like, yeah, that was that's how long ago that was, dude. <laughs> Very depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But so. uh, yeah, no, I mean I think I think the nostalgia for the character and the want for the character of Spider Man twenty ninety nine will attract people to this. So I suppose it then falls to Steve Orlando to then grip people enough to want to continue with yeah. it. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it kicks off as you say of that alpha number one and then straight into number one and number two. So Um
1: and, uh, Hard hard to beat that Spider Man twenty ninety nine original Ronald, I don't know if you've ever
0: uh, I never, engaged in it. Never have, no. Who was it originally in 2099? Who Peter David was. Peter David was um, P- Peter. David David was was yeah, but he was. Oh yeah, he did Spider Man 1999 as well. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Peter David uh, and uh, Rick Leonardi, uh, and they launched it in 1992, and uh, it had a good run. Uh, I think uh, the first the first thing the first one had had a, had a huge run. Yeah. Like can't remember, but it was uh, yeah, absolutely great uh, great character, great book.
0: So from Spider-Man 2099 to uh, another event that is wrapping up this month with an Omega issue and is definitely going to set the stage then for the uh, brand new number one relaunch following that. So we obviously mentioned Chip Zdarsky with taking over Batman, but he was very quick to let everybody know that he will still be on Daredevil. So this is good news for me because this run has been awesome. But there's a Devil's Reign Omega issue this month that says written by Chip Zdarsky and more or by Raphael de la and more. But yeah, this is essentially gonna, you know, wrap up Devil's Reign but set the stage for Daredevil number one. So, the the description's pretty good and it sort of gives minuscule details away, but certainly doesn't spoil Devil's Reign. Given we haven't got that far, but in the wake of one of the most visceral Daredevil, nay Marvel stories ever, the Marvel Universe's New York City stands remade and reforged, if not in Wilson Fisk's image, then at very least in his spirit. After a battle that nearly tore the city and its citizens apart New York, superheroes have no choice but to try and adapt to the new and dangerous paradigm they find themselves operating under, with 8 million people turned against them. So, I think that'll definitely be worth getting. Even if you haven't read Devil's Reign, I would say if you're going to be jumping on Daredevil, that would be worth picking up, because that'll set the stage for you and and, and certainly give you all the details you need from Devil's Reign and set you on your way for uh, for Daredevil number one. But... We move from there and on to a couple of team books and uh, this must have you very excited.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, a Thunderbolts number one uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, that's not associated with an event. Uh, unfortunately, it's only a five-issue series um, by Jim Zub and Sean Izaxi. and uh, The first, uh, first issue is called Light Lightning. Superpowered crooks have taken hostages in Staten Island. Uh, a dimensional rift tears open in Chinatown. Monsters running amok at the Met. Call in the Thunder. New York City's finest are there to save the day. Hawkeye, Spectrum, America Chavez, Parman, Persuasion, and Guts and Glory. You know them, you love them, they're the Thunderbolts. In the afterman of Devil's Reign, uh, the Big Apple has problems, and it's up to the new group of Thunderbolts to turn things around. But when Clint Barton gets tasked with heading up this team and proving he can go, they can go toe-to-toe with anything the Marvel Universe can throw at them, the first opponent he's going to have to face is himself. So 40 pages, five issues, Interest Interesting cast of characters, uh, for sure. I think uh, Persuasion is the Purple Man's oldest daughter. Um, and there's a few other. But it's, yeah, I mean, I love the Thunderbolts, the original, you know, you know the original, do um, uh, you say Bagley run, uh, which I was just a huge, huge fan of. And then, you know, after Baron Zemo, after they were all revealed and Baron Zemo sort of ran off, Hawkeye came in to, 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 as the original you know, villain-turned-hero, he came in to to uh, sort of redeem them. Uh, but there was a lot, lot more going on than that. But I don't know these... That that, seemed, that was always the gist of the Thunderbolts. They were villains-turned-heroes. Um, but I don't know that that's necessarily the case here. Uh, but still, you know, it's some Thunderbolts goodness. And if you haven't had the pleasure of that original series, uh, there's also this month is released, one of the, you know, the, the Marvel Tales format, you know, that have maybe... There's softback with like five or six issues in there. Uh, that's like Marvel Tales Thunderbolts. And that picks up some key initial Thunderbolts issues from the original uh, Busaic and Bagley Run. So, Alan, I would uh, I would suggest picking it up if you haven't uh, if you haven't read that Thunderbolt stuff.
0: No, I haven't. But there is a rather glorious omnibus that sits in the store at the moment, which is uh, Thunderbolts from the very, very start. Uh, it's it's on my list to read because I know you've spoken very very highly about it and mm. obviously a fan of Bagley especially on on art and and Peter David as well writing so it it does look at me nearly every day in the store so I'm sure I'll jump on it at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you you talk about teams as well. What's this uh, new Fantastic Four about?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, we've got New Fantastic Four by Peter David, so Marvel royalty there, uh, Alan Robinson um there's a few variant covers but uh, this is the original uh new fantastic four uh that uh i can't they first came together i can't remember what why the fantastic four disbanded or weren't available but spider-man ghost rider wolverine and hulk uh came together at that time to form their own version of uh, of fantastic four um and it looks like um it looks like this is set during that time so uh, it says, when these unlikely heroes first banded together to become the new Fantastic Four, they made Marvel history. Now this fan-favorite team returns in an all-new adventure written by Peter David. Set shortly after the events of the group's first appearance, brace yourself for a wild ride and guest stars aplenty, including the original FF, plus a series of mystery villains you'll never see coming. It's another five-issue miniseries. I mentioned there was a bunch of them coming out from uh, from Marvel uh, in May, and, uh, and this is another one. Uh, it's definitely an interesting choice. And then Following that, we have another five-issue mini-series, uh, Secret Invasion, number one of five. Now, if that title sounds familiar to you, it's because of the uh, the Secret Invasion mini-series uh, back a few years ago that had uh, a lot of our favourite uh, Marvel superheroes uh, revealed as long-time Skrull uh, invaders, uh, you know. But uh, but yeah, this is uh, this seems to be sort of linked to that. Um, it's by Ryan North. Um, Ryan North, uh, is best known, I think, sort of by me for Squirrel Girl, which he wrote oh, for a long time. Yeah. I know that was this one. I haven't uh, dealt them out though. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh-huh. and, uh huh, and and a few others. Um, but um, an Adventure Time actually. Uh, a lot of stuff. I did a lot. Of, I've done a lot of writing for Adventure Time. But, uh, the gist of this, um, the scrolls are back, in a giant-sized issue kicking off a new all an all-new five-part miniseries. When Maria Hill detects the merest hint of scrolls, she acts quickly to put her defensive plans into action. And when Nick Fury is sent to investigate a scroll sighting in Iowa, he finds the last thing he was expecting. Our pale blue dot is in their sights, and this time Earth's soul defences won't work. Find out who you really trust. The invasion begins now. So one of five with art by uh, Francesco Mobile.
0: And an absolutely ridiculously glorious uh, cover there by Gabrielle Del Otto. Which is the, mm-hmm. uh, the third cover along there with a a scroll standing in front of a huge firebound explosion holding the helmet of Iron Man. I can get on board oh. that image all <laughs> day long. But yeah, no, it's as you say. There's there just seems to be a um, a, a plethora of five issue miniseries this month, and they a lot of them mm. seem to be aimed at '90s kids almost. I would say.
1: Well, I mean, certainly what you're about to talk about, I would say. So I can't remember when the new Fantastic Four came about. Certainly Thunderbolts was a 90s sort of a thing. Spider-Man 2099, very much a 90s thing. Secret Invasion was a lot more recently than that. That's probably tied to the new Secret Invasion Disney Plus series. Yeah. But even um, some of the titles
0: anything. ongoing at the moment, things like X-Men Legends, things like Silver Surfer Rebirth, there just seems to be a, a, a nice a nice nostalgia for that era and telling all mm-hmm. new stories within it. But mm-hmm. but yeah, certainly the next one coming up uh, definitely falls under that purview and it is uh, Big Bang Comics' favourite character of all time. They love so much and big him up all the time on Twitter gambit uh so gambit <laughs> is back with a, a five issue mini but what's great to see here is chris claremont's on writing duties uh of course you know creator co-creator of of gambit and you know x-men royalty the artist here is sid kotian and once again so it's all new adventures of the legendary thief you think you know all there is to know about remy lebeau the raging cajun the mutant known as gambit but legendary X scribe chris claremont has an ace up his sleeve Oh, what a great pun, with this new series. Before he joined the X-Men, Gambit encountered a mysterious girl named Rue. The mutant storm regressed to her child's self by the nefarious nanny, and the two went up against the forces of the Shadow King. Now revealed for the first time, Gambit finds his path to becoming the heroic x man millions of fans call their favourite, including Big By Comics. Joined by rising star artist uh, Sid Cotian, Chris weaves a story of action, intrigue, and revenge that made Gambit the mutant he is and forged his relationship with Storm. You'll get a charge out of this one, one me. As I was describing that, I could just see you nodding in the background.
1: Yep, yeah, uh, I'm I'm down with this for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like I like a bit of Gambit. Always have done. It's a product of the uh, of the '90s uh, X-Men cartoon, uh, which is where I was introduced to him. Um, so yeah, am I'm, I'm good with him.
0: I should clarify, by the way, that Big Bang Comics just love ripping the piss out of Gambit all the time, so <laughs> they do. So I couldn't resist a little shout out for that. So, uh, but yeah, no, Wills Portacio doing covers, Chris Claremont oh. writing it, it. It's like being taken back in time, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. Well, I mean, I I always thought Wills Portacio was the most underappreciated of the the Image crew, for sure, uh, and uh, yeah, very much deserves some kudos.
0: Yeah, so but we are sticking on X-Men are we here?
1: Yeah, we certainly are. Um and it looks like a is it a it's a
0: relaunch of X-Men Legends. Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, we were just discussing there about stories set in like 90s continuity and X-Men Legends has been going for a little while now. You've had stories there from Fabian Nicieza, you've had stories from Chris Claremont, but yeah, they seem to be going back to a brand new number 1 with uh with some Conan royalty as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Roy Thomas and writing and uh, Dave Wachter on art. Uh, the covers by the, the cover is by uh, Carrie Andrews. Um, it's an all new tale set before Giant Size X-Men 1. Before Giant Size X-Men brought Storm, Wolverine, Colossus, Nightcrawler and Thunderbird to the team, Roy Thomas redefined the Merry Mutants in two seminal runs in the book. Now Roy at long last returns to the saga of the X-Men to take us through the period between his run and giant size X-Men for the first time, detailing Wolverine's government missions before his recruitment by Professor X, including unrevealed detail in his battle with the Green Goliath and Hulk. One eight one one eight two, an untold episode involving Beast and a host of missing mutants, and a secret—the secret behind Wolverine's costume—kicking off an all-new volume of X-Men Legends by a host of legendary creators. But this is the first story in a new in a in a run of new and continuity tales covering the length and breadth of X-Men history from the early areas eras to fan favorite latter-day sagas face front true believers these are the missing links you've been looking for so i mean that's that's what they were doing with x-men legends so why are they relaunching it with issue with with with
0: issue one again i don't understand yeah i mean it's it's one of those things isn't it that a number one will always catch the attention for a new reader faster than anything else Mm -hmm. i mean we can put out as many podcasts as we want we can advise people in store all we want but for those uh sort of shelf browsers who have their headphones in or listening to music a number one's always going to catch their eye before, you know, a number nineteen, so to speak. So uh, I can see why they're doing that to a degree, but but every yeah, number, and it is, you know, we've talked about it before. It is a little bugbear of ours. We thought Marvel had cured it with their uh, legacy numbering, of course, where mm-hmm. they would uh, be able to just, you know, keep a series going but have that legacy numbering below it. But but yeah, that's X Men Legends number one, uh, one that is definitely something to look forward to. Because it's going to be bringing an event to an end and we mention it now because there's still time to jump on it and I say that as someone who has jumped on it. Um, Dan Slott's been writing Fantastic Four ever since the relaunch at number one. It's up in the 40s now and he's currently doing a event called The Reckoning War and I first of all I read The Reckoning War Alpha issue. And then I've got issues 40 and 41 to read. I'm actually going to read those tonight after we record. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this month sees the end of that run. Well, the end of this uh, this event anyway. So in May, Fantastic Four number 44 comes out. So Dan Slot writing, Rachel thought on art. And the Reckoning War heats up in this oversized issue. The end of everything that ever was or ever will be. This is the final battle of the Reckoning War. At the apex of the old reality, the fate of the Marvel Universe will be decided. This is a great line right here because Marvel are some of the worst in the world for their over the top proclamations. <laughs> they even have the words, nothing will ever be the same here. But <laughs> this is not hyperbole. This is happening. There will be consequences. <laughs> if you care at all about the Fantastic Four, their extended family, and the rest of the Marvel U, you will not want to miss this. So they are terrible for it. So they are. But uh, yeah. you can't help but fall for it every time, I think.
1: Yeah, oh, I mean, you you kind of want to. It's it's like kayfabe. Yeah, it's like kayfabe in wrestling. You know, it's you know it's not the case, but you 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 buy in the whole way. Uh, that's a, a Cafu cover uh, from uh, the fantastic uh, Iron Man series by Chris Camillo.
0: Um, I'm not sure what and, I'm more impressed with there—that you worked in a wrestling reference, or that you worked in an Iron Man plug.
1: <laughs> <laughs> be impressed by both, just coolly <laughs> impressed. Um, I don't know if this is the end of the Reckoning War, or if it's just the final battle in the Reckoning War.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I would imagine, admittedly, that uh, now that I've sort of read through that a wee bit more, I know Dan Slott has talked about this was the story he's wanted to tell for decades, so you kind of get uh-huh. the feeling it was going to be a sort of 10 issue type thing, so, and I'm sure there'll yeah. be an Omega issue solicited to, to round it out as well.
1: As the Reckoning War heats up in this oversized issue, it heating up doesn't suggest it's a boiling point yet. Yeah,
0: oversized you know. issue usually makes you think conclusion.
1: Yeah, well, that's also that's also true. That's also true. Um, Speaking of another another issue and the yeah, I should say that Reckoning War has been fantastic so far. I'm a wee bit ahead of you on it, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, definitely, definitely fantastic. Um, So, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. And and the other lines, you know, obviously Jed McKay on Moon Knight and, uh, you know, also continuing on a strange series, Peter David's uh, Maestro World War M. The fantastic Robin, Royal, She Hulk series, which the first issue of that was phenomenal. Uh, Black Panther continues, and uh, Peter Gillard, uh, Karen Gillan's uh, Eternals. But um, there's another. Uh, let me see. Flip, flip, flip. Uh, where, where are we? Oh, Shang Chi, yeah, uh, is hitting issue twelve. Uh, Jean Lin Yang and uh, Marcus Too another Lionel Francis Yu cover and it's worth mentioning because in issue 12 they seem to be bringing in the 10 rings uh, from the movie uh, you know and that's that's interesting because up until now the 10 rings were presumed to be variations on the 10 rings that the ran, the, the Mandarin wore, so that you know what I mean those, those 10 rings that's why they were translated into the MCU but it seems not because there are 10 rings that look an awful lot like the 10 rings from the Shang-Chi movie uh, on the cover of this uh, earth is under attack from shang chi's grandfather and the forces of talo to see if his world shang chi must succumb to his late father's wishes and inherit the deadly ten rings but will he be able to wield its power or will this temptation be too much so i mean this has been a great series and uh, I'm, I'm i think it just it just bears uh mentioning you know it's it's still there and uh and you should try and catch up on trade because very very good
0: yeah i mean that's it i mean we're we're not always here just to talk about you know brand new number ones or this or that but sometimes it's nice to throw a reminder out for a series that we've been very much enjoying because as you say you can always catch up on trade as much as you catch up on single issues so uh but we may have a podcast preview first right now i am looking forward to a star wars title
1: oh oh yeah have a wee look at yourself did you drink enough water today
0: i'm starting to wonder i mean i'll really be in trouble when i say i'm looking forward to an iron man title but Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi number 1 of 5 now I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that Obi-Wan is one of the like one of the pillars of the Star Wars you know universe brilliantly played by Alex Guinness in the first movie even just as well played by Ewan McGregor in the prequels, and of course there's an upcoming TV show coming soon as well. But I don't think this is really related to the TV show too much. This seems to be its own little thing, and it's it's written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Ario Anandito, and the cover is glorious by Phil Noto. I mean that is both stages of Han uh, or of Obi Wan right there. So uh, Christopher
1: Cantwell, that's the same guy that's writing that fantastic Iron Man book that Kathy was the artist on. Give it up.
0: <laughs> uh, so, but the reason this sounds really cool is I really like the format that this is going to take so uh, the, the blurb for this is Fast approaches the ultimate destiny of one of the Jedi's most renowned masters as he spends his final days in the remote deserts of Tatooine Obi-Wan Kenobi takes time to reflect on and record key moments of a heroic life long lived Writing in old leather-bound journals from his hermit's hut, Obi-Wan remembers his days as a young Jedi initiate his trials as a Padawan, the Crucible of Jedi Knighthood and the Clone Wars, and some of the earliest challenges he faced as a true master of the Force. In this tale, Obi-Wan considers a watershed youngling adventure he narrowly survived on Coruscant when he was but eight years of age. This is just the beginning of his Jedi journey. So I love the format of this. This is probably going to be a different age for Obi-Wan each issue of The 5 mm. Uh, I think Campwell is a great writer. I think that the art looks brilliant. I think Phil Noto, as I say on covers, looks superb. And there's even uh, there's even the chance that you'll maybe get appearances here by Qui Gon, for example. You know, we never saw enough of that character, I think, in Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. So yeah, this is a Star Wars title I'm actually really looking forward to.
1: Yeah, uh I'm I'm pleased that you are. I mean it's it's great team. Uh, it looks like a great uh, a great sort of concept. Um I mean the Star Wars stuff is going really strong. Charles Soule's finishing off uh, Crimson Rain, which is the second of his uh his his trilogies, uh, following War of the Bounty Hunter, the second of his, his series, his uh his miniseries following War of the Bounty Hunter. And uh, there's some interesting stuff. Uh that uh, what do you call that? Uh Wookie Kersenstan. He's got mm-hmm. a Star Wars Tales, which I think is the uh Star Wars Tales is the equivalent of Marvel Tales where they'll do, you know, three or four issues reprinted, you know, or a character featured or whatever. Um, So yeah, there's, I mean, the Star Wars stuff is still going really strong. I know it's not your your bag, but uh, I'll definitely be picking that up as well, for sure.
0: You never know, this might be the one that brings me over to it, so... So yeah, that's pretty much the single issue side of things. We'll just finish off the Marvel uh book with a look at a few omnibuses that we're looking forward to. I think the the omnibus market in general in the last year has just exploded. So many great reprints, so many great collections of stories. Uh they sell well in the store. They're they're expensive outlays. I I always say to people they're expensive outlays at first, but if you break it down by what you're getting for that you know, the amount of issues involved, all in one place, etc., etc., it's always worth it. But there were definitely a couple that stood out to us this month, and the first one is a run that I hear nothing but phenomenal things about, but I know next to nothing about, so an omnibus is the perfect chance to pick this up, and the talent involved has me convinced this will be a good decision. So this is one, that, it's Miracle Man Omnibus, and it's written by the original writer with Mick Angelo, Cat Euronwood, Grant Morrison, Yes, please. Um, Peter Milligan. It's penciled by Gary Leach, Alan Davis, John Tolben, Rick Veitch, Chuck Austin and John Ridgway. So, again, Miracle Man is something I know very little about, but I hear nothing but phenomenal praise for. So, the blurb is, uh, middle-aged reporter Michael Moran always knew he was meant for something more. When an unexpected series of events leads him to reclaim his destiny, Miracle Man is reborn. But Miracle Man's return threatens to unravel Moran's life. Their connections to Dr. Emil Gargunza and Project Zarathustra bring with them disturbing revelations and trigger the return of a childhood friend who, beneath his sinister smile, has become something terrifying. Pushing the concept of the superhero to its logical conclusion, Miracle Man is nothing short of a revelation. The series reinvented the superhero and forty years later stands as one of the influential works in the comic book art form. So this is the first ever omnibus edition of that. I know Alan Moore worked on Miracle Man. I know that uh, there's been great creators over the year who have always worked on this character so there has to be something there. I mean, is, is it Miracle Man a, a character you're familiar with?
1: No, not at all. Um, it was, a. I mean, Alan Murray. there's been a whole lot of legal wranglings over the character, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was originally Fawcett and then the DC bought the, the Fawcett stuff and uh, and yeah, I, don't, I, I really don't know too much about it, um, but it's a that never really never really grabbed
0: me. Yeah, I just think that it's just a creative talent always involved with it. It's mm. it's sort of like Daredevil or like Swamp Thing. It's it always seems to attract like top level talent and that just says to me that there has to be something there, you know. Um but the other omnibus this month that I am definitely looking forward to. I mean, I even put it on our previews board and just wrote the simple message of hook it to my veins. Mm-hmm. And that is and the wait's already too long, but it's the Ultimate Spider-Man Omnibus Volume Two. And The Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1 came out not too long ago, maybe about six to seven weeks ago. I read it in two sittings. You'll be hearing more about it on a, an upcoming reviews podcast. But issue, uh, sorry, Volume 2 is due, and it's going to collect uh, issues 40 to 71, but also a miniseries, The Ultimate Six, which I'm guessing is how the Sinister Six were introduced into this Ultimate Universe. Yep. I mean, that's you you've read all of Ultimate Spider-Man. You you know the good stuff that's in store for me, don't you? Yes, I have read.
1: Uh, I would be, it would be wrong to say I've read all of Ultimate Spider-Man. I sort of dipped in and out, um, so I haven't sort of read it maybe as consistently as something like Invincible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've uh, certainly I've never been disappointed. Never been disappointed. Um, it was weird at the time whenever it was it was launched because it set, you know us, you know Spider-Man lovers going, but 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 but. <laughs> you know, who's this who's this young Peter Parker? You know, so but uh, but yeah, it's a fantastic concept and, and it turned out to be just a brilliant story.
0: Yeah, and with this one you're gonna have reimaginings for the black cat. Uh there's gonna be another uh, run in with uh Keenpin, and then of course there's gonna be, as I say, that uh combination of the Sinister Six coming together as well. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. As I say, I burned through that first omnibus, you know, yep. so really, really looking forward to uh, to this hitting soon.
1: Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, for sure, I'll be, I'll be on that as well. Given that I've got the, I've got the first issue. Is there any notable uh, cover variations there?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just go straight for the hardcover. Um, the Bagley cover. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's uh one being done by Bagley, a carnage cover, which is DM only. So that essentially means just available at your comic store. Uh, and then there's a a Joe Joe Casada cover as well. So, but yeah, I, I just stick to the the cover A's when it comes to yep. this. There's yeah, something so for sure. There's something so early two thousands about that you just gotta love. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's another interesting uh hardcover uh, with uh, uh anari Garanov uh cover, uh, and that's uh, She Hulk by Dan Slot Omnibus, uh, written by Dan Slot and Ty Timbleton. Uh, a lot of pencilers on there uh, before he became a superstar on Amazing Spider-Man, Dan Slott delighted readers with a sensational She-Hulk run. Jennifer Walters is a gamma-powered Green Goliath, just like her Hulkish cousin. But her home is in the courtroom where she takes on some of the Marvel Universe's wildest cases, litigating alongside co-workers like reformed awesome Andy and uh, researching old Marvel comics to set legal precedents. Could She-Hulk's career get any stranger? Sure when she's summoned out her space to practice universal law by the Living Tribunal or pulled out of the timeline by the Time Variance Authority. But when the Superhuman Registration Act leads to civil war, whose side will She-Hulk argue? Plus, all-out smackdowns against the Tania, the Champion, and the A to Z of Hulk's enemies collects uh, She-Hulk 1 to 12 from the 2004 run, She-Hulk 2005, 1 to 21, and Marvel Western's Two-Gun Kid. So that's 824 pages. And uh, I've never... Never touched that at all, so I might be interested, given Dan Slott.
0: Yeah, Dan Slott's definitely a reason to jump on that, I'd say. There's a couple of pretty cool covers there as well to choose from. You've got Addie Granoff Ooh. doing the main cover, but I actually really like the Mike Mayhew one, where uh, Jennifer Walters is trying to squeeze into a lift, and you can see Matt Murdoch standing there. You can see Howard the Duck standing there. Uh, so. <laughs> some some fun imagery there as well. But yeah, no, again it comes back to it. I mean, you're essentially getting the guts of thirty five to thirty six issues in that. And rather than trying to hook them all down or buy all the trades, that's where omnibuses I think really, really sing as well. So Uh, And then the last one just to mention in terms of omnibuses, because I know a lot of guys were looking forward to it. It was solicited about six or seven months ago, but then there seems to be some sort of legal wranglings over the rights to it. Uh, So this is Predator and they're doing an omnibus called The Original Years. So essentially this is going to collect a lot of the Dark Horse stuff. It is a big, massive bad boy, 1,032 pages to this. There's way too many creators for me to read out who's involved, but, you know, certainly notable people in there, the likes of John Arcudi, Neil Barrett Jr., Chuck Dixon, uh, art in there by Mark Bright, Derek Thompson, uh, Jim Somerville. There's a lot of great talent involved, and it's essentially a collection of loads of miniseries, so you'll have sort of four-issue arcs at a time but it's solicited as the hunt begins as the Predators make their Marvel debut, experience the original comic's legacy, nowhere is safe when the remorseless alien killers stalk the concrete jungle of New York City, leave a trail of death across the American Southwest and ignite the Cold War by landing in Siberia. And did Predators come to Earth during Vietnam and World War I? The Hunters make a new enemy in Dutch's brother, Detective John Schaefer, and it's Predator versus Psychotic Predator in the Pine barns of New Jersey. And, in 1950s Hollywood, only a child with special glasses can see the monster in the midst of tinsel time <laughs> i mean that's clearly influenced by they live yeah absolutely but uh yeah i mean there's so many interesting things here predator to me has always been a strange franchise because the first movie is undoubtedly a masterpiece predator 2 is not bad and then everything that follows is just endlessly forgettable yeah, i think but yeah just the design of the the creature itself has always lent itself to interesting sci-fi storytelling mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, there's a couple of different covers to choose from. There, you've got a brand new cover. Uh, I can see by I think it's by Iban Quelu, but mm-hmm. for me, it's got to be that original Predator original years cover by uh, Chris Warner. So that is lovely there. So
1: yeah, I mean obviously Marvel or whatever whatever has caused the delay in the 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 Predators making their Marvel debut. Uh, they're obviously still thinking about it or getting close to it. Um, you know, if they're if they're pushing stuff like this. That looks really interesting, you know. I uh, I could be tempted
0: by that. Yeah, a lot of interesting sounding stories. As I say, they just had complete freedom when it came to the comics to do whatever they wanted. Uh, so they could just be as outlandish or as ridiculous as they wanted to be, and that that breeds creativity. So, yeah, I'll definitely be picking that up when that finally, uh, finally launches. So... Yeah, again tons more stuff, believe it or not. We've talked about Marvel for a good 35 minutes, but there's still loads more in the book. So, you know, if you're in the store, just pick it up or uh you can have a look online, check out the the solicitations for May to find out even more. So, we'll move from there as we always do and finish off then with the rather massive indie book. But as I say, this is going to be very heavily um very heavily image-based I would say. Lots of great stuff here to tuck into. So, the first thing for me is undoubtedly the the this is probably my number one indie pick of the month. I would say, and it seems to me that not for the first time in their careers that Brew Baker and Phillips are trailblazers, and the reason hmm. I say that is because they were the first to lead with this whole format of original graphic novel hardcovers, bypassing the single issue market and just telling their stories interconnected through a series of hardcover graphic novels. Well, it appears that we're going to get another uh, series like that, and it's going to come from a, a powerhouse creative team in Jeff Lamar and Andrea Sorrentino. These guys, of course, created Gideon Falls. They've done the recent series Primordial. They had great runs on DC and Marvel books. They've just always been a powerhouse team, and now they're uh, coming together for a horror anthology hardcover series. Now, the thing about this is as well, keep an eye out for free comic book day because there's going to be a one shot free comic book day giveaway for this one which will lead you in and then the hardcover itself launches after that so this is a series called bone orchard the passageway so as i say original uh original graphic novel hardcover so from the acclaimed creative team behind gideon falls and primordial comes the first book in a bold and ambitious new shared horror universe When a geologist is sent to a remote lighthouse to investigate strange phenomena, he finds a seemingly endless pit in the rocks. What lurks within and how will he escape its pull? The Passageway is the first book in the new Bone Orchard mythos from Lemire and Sorrentino. This universe will feature self-contained graphic novels and limited series about the horrors lurking within the Bone Orchard, just waiting to be discovered. I think this looks fantastic. I mean, Sorrentino is one of my favourite artists. Always very creative with his page layouts, always very atmospheric. And uh, yeah, this this looks. I'll I'll be there day one for this. So it's going to be a ninety six page original uh, graphic novel, and that's going to launch in the first couple of weeks, actually of June. So a slight uh, a slight early solicit for that one. Mm-hmm.
1: That uh, that looks looks interesting for sure. I watched uh, I watched the Lighthouse last night with Robert Pattinson and uh, and uh, William Defoe. So uh, lighthouses are right up my street right now. That is a that is a weird, disturbing, entertaining movie.
0: Yeah, slight tangent just to talk about that quickly. I still can't decide whether I loved or hated that movie, but it really made an impression on me. It was uh-huh. so atmospheric, so much to think about. Really original, yeah. brilliantly shot. Soundtrack was great. But like, it it's weird. Do you ever sit and watch a movie? Maybe you did this as well. With if you were sitting watching it with Bruna, like I must have looked at Vicky about ten times during this movie, just out of the corner of my eye to see like, is she still paying yeah. attention to this? Because this yeah, is so yeah. weird. But yeah, it really it was, made an impression,
1: yeah. I thought. Yeah, big style, big style. And, and part of the, I think part of the way it was shot was to keep the audience uncomfortable and on their toes and guessing what was happening and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what William Defoe was saying uh, <laughs> because that's the way Robert Pattinson's character sort of felt, I think, the whole way through. So yeah, uh, yeah I think it was maybe more about the feeling than the narrative, but um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, uh, segue there uh, from Bone Orchard, the Passageway, OGN, to Lighthouses. But I'm going to segue again from Lighthouses, the genies. Um, there is no segue there whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and a book called Eight Billion Genies. It's number one of eight by Undiscovered Countries and Star Wars' Charles Sewell. Um, and the artist is Ryan Brown. It's a science fiction miniseries. Uh, and if you had one wish, what would you wish for? Now, what if everyone else had one wish too? That's Eight Billion Genies. The new eight issue series from Charles Sowell and Ryan Brown uh, at exactly the same at exactly the same moment. Everyone on Earth gets a genie and one wish. All hell breaks loose and in a very entertaining way. And that's just the beginning. Buckle in for the wildest ride of the year. <laughs> that sounds that sounds mental. Uh, I think I will give that a go.
0: Yeah, it sounds quite maddening. I mean, it's the kind of thing that obviously genies all about wish fulfillment. What would you do? But suddenly, if everybody has the same thing, does it have the same allure? So. I would imagine plenty of madcap humor in that. Uh, they those guys did a great series before called Curse Words about mm-hmm. uh, a wizard hiding out on Earth, which was very very good. So worth searching out. Uh, the next one up from Image is a series called Twig. This is going to be a five issue mini series, uh, written by Scotty Young, and the artist on this is Kyle Stratham. And you mean Scotty Young? I think is is becoming such a great writer. I mean he's he's one of those guys that carved out very much a niche for himself with his sort of exaggerated baby Marvel style, so to speak, but his mm-hmm. writing is is brilliant, you know, whether it's Middle West, whether it's Me You Love in the Dark, and now we are here with another five-issue miniseries, so this is uh, Eisner Award winning I Hit Fairyland, and Middle West writer Scotty Young and artist Kyle Stram Spread, which is a brilliant image title by the way, uh, come together for an all-new epic fantasy adventure miniseries It's the first day of Twig's new job as a journeyer on a Jeff's Sp- Jeff Smith's Bone-esque quest to save a dark crystal labyrinth-style world, join our hesitant hero for an inspiring and imaginative tale of hope, heartache, and determination to overcome insurmountable odds. So, they're they're saying some big words there when they're comparing things that likes a Bone and the dark crystal. Ooh. It has to be said, mm-hmm. but the yeah, yeah. preview artwork looks really, really charming, really colorful. Looks like it'll be a good all-ages book as well. They're calling it
1: young adult, but uh, I guess that's for that's up for 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 debate.
0: Well, I mean, Young Adult is the Batman movie if you're the owner of the movie house, but that's a whole (laughs) other story. Uh, Context, please. Uh, Context is that the owner of the movie house in Belfast has somehow appealed to Belfast City Council, who in all their eternal wisdom, or under-the-table bribery, I would say, uh, have decided to create a brand new rating for The Batman, which is 15A, which basically means that a parent can bring anybody under the age of 15 to this movie effectively bypassing the British uh, Board of Film Classifications 15 rating and saying it's up to the parents. Now, if I'm a guy who's been waiting to see this movie for two years, three years, and I go to a showing where there's six 10-year-olds sitting in the crowd and they're talking the whole way through it, I'm sorry, prepare yourself for plenty of refund requests. So I think that move might backfire slightly. And what was the the film's original rating? 15. 15, okay. Straight 15. Uh, now, bear in mind that the Joker movie was rated 15. So that gives you an indication this is going to be a dark yeah. Batman movie. Anyway, tangent again. So I'm going yeah. to I'm gonna move from that to the brilliantly titled Fuck This Place. <laughs> uh, so this is a brand new number one uh, written by Kyle Starks. Uh, Kyle Starks, of course, big fan of, you know, the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. You were kind enough to get me onto Rock Candy Mountain, which was mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant as well. So this is a brand new number one, and the artists uh, on this is uh, Archum Toplin, which is not someone I'm overly familiar with, Uh, has worked on Ice Cream Man, uh, some of the anthology stuff there. Uh, It says this is for fans of Gideon Falls and homesick pilots, so after inheriting a farmhouse, Trudy and Gabby are ready to start the next chapter of their lives together, except it's already home to a mysterious force that's attracted ghosts, aliens, and all kinds of supernatural beings for decades. Now Gabby and Trudy must play by the house rules in order to survive living among the most frightening creatures on earth. Again, just the sense of humor Kyle Starks has, I'm I'm on board for this straight away. Because uh, yeah, Rock Candy Mountain was an absolute delight, as was Six mm. Sidekicks. So uh,
1: did we ever get Old Head,
0: the OGM?
1: Old Head. Old Head was another Kyle Starks uh, number.
0: Uh, okay.
1: It was about a basketball player and a vampire, I think. And I don't know if it ever appeared. I don't know if it ever
0: materialized. Hmm. Something for me to look into. Yeah, it was... I know of it. I'll have a look into that, because, uh, hmm. yeah, Kyle Stark stuff, it was solicited as Space Jam meets Fright Night. So, yeah, that sounds good. Um,
1: Zach Kaplan, uh, who wrote uh, Port of Earth and joined the future, has got an image series starting in May called Metal Society. It's one of five. And the artist is uh, Willermy Balbi and uh, Marco Lesco. So, uh, yeah, part of the join the join the future team there. Um, for, they team up for a hot up and co- with caught up and coming artist uh, Willermy Balbi in a dramatic new sci-fi miniseries that's Blade Runner meets Rocky. In a, an inverted future, the evolved robots have resurrected humans for manual labour. When a tribalistic culture clash breaks out, a fearless human fighter and a frustrated displaced robots will square off in a public MMA-style sport fight of epic stakes to determine once and for all who reigns supreme man or machine. It's a far-flung dystopian sci-fi adventure best described as Blade Runner meets Rocky. Now, I don't know if I'm terribly interested in this, uh, but I know we've got a lot of uh, wrestling and MMA fans. Uh, that that came into the store, so uh, maybe maybe something for you. Um, whenever it said Blade Runner meets Rocky, I was hoping from I don't know, I don't know, doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what, what do you think.
0: Yeah, I mean the the preview art for it looks interesting. I thought it looked very sort of image circa mid 90s with. Yeah, just the art style of it just just screams nineties to me. But yeah, I mean, Blade Runner meets Rocky—that's that's two things I love. I'll definitely give it issue one and and see how we get on. But yeah, I mean, moving away from that, there's definitely a lot of strong trades in the image section this month as well. You've got um, Keaton Spawn hitting the first volume. You've got King of Spies from Mark Miller and Mario Scalera. You've got Nita Ha's Nightmare Blog Volume One. You've got Magic Order Volume Two. You've got Adventure Man Volume Two crossover seven to eternity but the one that definitely stands out the most to me is is maybe not for everybody because maybe people don't want to see behind the curtain as much maybe they just want a good story but one of our favorite graphics the last few years definitely was a a story called pulp from ed brubaker and sean phillips and they're releasing what is called pulp the process edition now it is a slightly pricier book as well it's a $40 solicit the original pulp is maybe a $16 book there thereabouts But this is going to be 256 pages. So this is the ultimate behind-the-scenes art book for all Baker and Phillips fans. See from start to finish how a creative team at the top of their game makes an Eisner award-winning graphic novel. Replicates materials from the entire process of creating pulp from Ed Baker's original notebook entries to the initial script, to Sean Phillips' breakdowns and pencils, all the way to the final edited and polished book itself, presented in full colour. See what the book started out as, what changed in the final version before print, and go deep into their process. Pulp: The Process Edition is a beautifully designed hardcover with everything a collector could want, including the full graphic novel itself, reproduced for the first time in stunning oversized format. I must have for any hardcore brewbaker and Phillips fan, and you can see some of the layouts there with the script side by side with the artwork and and so forth. This, again, that won't appeal to everybody, but I just thought it was a really, really interesting looking, uh, really interesting looking book. So, and,
1: uh, I mean, the the original is just a phenomenal story.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's it. If you're not interested in the behind-the-scenes elements of it, search out the book itself, because it is awesome. Uh, so, yeah, so that's pretty much Image. So with, with just a few wee bits and pieces, just to finish off in terms of other publishers, there was one that sort of caught my eye from IDW. It seems to be joining the trend of the last-person-standing story that we're seeing a lot of recently. We have TMNT, The Last Runin. We have uh, Buffy, The Last Vampire Slayer. Now we have Transformers Last Bot Standing. This is going to be a four-issue miniseries written by Nick Roche, and the artist on this is E.J. Su. So, the war for Cybertron is long over. The war from Cybertron never ends. The planet, Denoct sits on the edge of the universe, far away from all the stars that are flickering and fading out one last time. It is a world on the precipice of revolution, industrialization, taking its first steps into the realms of the mechanical, and on the far edge of nowhere, a visitor arrives. And the knock will never be the same again. So, I, I'm just a wee bit of a sucker for these types of stories, these one-off end of a, you know, end of a franchise story, if you will, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I just thought that looked pretty interesting. Uh, what else have we got? We have got Boom Studios next. What have we got here? Yeah,
1: we've got uh, another Dune miniseries uh, coming off the back of the the previous Dune miniseries that uh, that. Boom have put out, and of course, uh, the, the recent movie. Um, Frank Herbert's, uh, it's called Dune, The the, the Waters of uh, Canley, number one, and it's a four issue miniseries. Frank Herbert's uh, novel Dune has uh, captivated readers since its publication in 1965. The tale of Paul Atreides, heir to at one of the galaxy's greatest houses and struggle, and a struggle to claim the desert planet of Arrakis have been adapted to film twice, most recently, uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part One, which I don't believe you've seen yet, have you?
0: No, still not. And Out uh, right on Blu-ray, I believe, now in 4K. Um, cheap plug right there. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I'm, I'm plugging for you. Uh, since the mid-1990s, Herbert's son Brian has collaborated with the best-selling novelist Kevin G. Anderson to reveal the 10,000-year backstory of the Dune universe and to bring Frank Herbert's unfinished saga to a close. This spring, Boom Studios brings one of those untold tales to comics readers with June: the Waters of Canley. Set after the Harkonnens attacked the Atreides Quarters in Arrakis, Atreides' uh, weapon master Gurney Halleck was believed dead in the assault. The Waters of Canley uh, readers will discover that uh, Halleck survived the attack and seeks revenge on the rival Harkonnens for the murder of his lead Duke Leto. Uh, Herbert and Anderson are joined by artist Francesco Monterino for a tale that will appeal to fans of both the novels and the new film.
0: Yeah, so the June comics tend to sell very well in our mm-hmm. store. Lots of people jump on those, so that's another four-issue miniseries for them to uh, to enjoy. Another boom title that caught my eye is uh, a title called Grimm. Uh It's a brand-new number one written by Stephanie Phillips, who's been doing great work recently, things like A Man Among You. She's been doing great work on mm-hmm. Harley Quinn, for uh, example. A uh, Man Among You just finished uh, there with the
1: last, uh, the last issue. Uh, it was a great, I think it was five issues. Um yeah, it was very good about uh, uh Mary, kind of Mary, Bonnie, uh you know very famous uh, female pirate uh, back in the days. So,
0: well, Stephanie Phillips she's back with a brand new book here, illustrated by Flaviano, and I mean talk about putting yourself under pressure for a book. I used to say this about uh, Deck when he said that uh, time before time was Looper meets Saga. Well, this one's a new series for fans of the many deaths of Lila Starr and something is killing the children. So. Same again, putting yourself under pressure there, guys. But uh, (laughs) storyline-wise, this is Jessica Harrow is dead, but her journey has only just begun. Discover the world of the afterlife, where Jessica has been recruited as a Reaper, tasked with ferrying countless souls to their final destination. But unlike the rest of the Reapers, she has no memory of what killed her and put her into this predicament. In order to unravel the mystery of her own demise, she'll have to solve an even bigger one. Where is the actual Grim Reaper? From acclaimed writers Stephanie Phillips and fan-favorite artist Flaviano, who's recently worked on New Mutants, comes a bold new vision of what comes after and the nature of death itself. So, yeah, I think that looks really, really cool. And it's good to see Boom launching a new series like that for us to get behind as a couple of their big titles are entering the final furlong, we found out this month. So we we were chatting about this actually the other day, about a, a once in future and how long it would run for. Well, the final Ooh. arc is beginning this month uh, with issue 25, so I would say 30 is the golden number here.
1: Oh, you, that's exactly what you sort of... Uh, suggested on uh, on our recent
0: podcast. Yeah, I must have had some inside knowledge, but uh, yeah, the final arc of Once and Future kicks off this month with number 25, and then they just snuck in the solicitation for Seven Secrets, number 17. Just snuck it in as casually as you like in this penultimate issue. So it's mm-hmm. obviously going to finish up at 18 as well, so a couple of our, our favourites coming to an end. Feels like Seven Secrets has been sort of winding up to wind down. Yeah, no, I think storyline wise, certainly with some of the twists and turns, uh it it's definitely approaching its end game. But I just I don't know. I just I sort of thought it'd have more to it than that, but hey, eighteen issues of quality is better than thirty issues of dragged out, so mm-hmm. uh what's up next? We have an Aftershock title I thought looked really good. Uh written by Peter Milligan, art by Articida. It's called Dogs of London. So Aftershock, have been producing some really cool stuff recently, so this is is another one that looks good to me. It's a solicitation reads, how deep must you bury a body to make sure it doesn't haunt you? Frank and Terry are about to find out. They were once members of the Dogs, a feared gang who ruled much of London's underworld back in the swinging 60s. They thought they'd escaped their troubled pasts, but the past isn't dead. It just bashed about a bit and very pissed off. Spanning different times and classes, Dogs of London is a brutal, bloody tale of violence, love, revenge, and sleeping dogs who refuse to roll over and play dead. I thought this looked great. Uh, preview pages look great. Peter Milligan is, is a writer I love to uh, get behind his titles. So, yeah, I thought that looked uh, that looked pretty great.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's uh, flip over to Albatross Funny Books, which is uh, Eric Powell's, uh, I guess, publishing house. And uh, we've got the first issue of Albatross Exploding Funny Books um, by Eric Powell and Yucky Lucky Yates. And they've gone all out because they've they've, they've bought two pages to to, to to advertise you know the, the first issue, which is a 48-page first issue. In the spirit of the golden age of comics, Eric Powell brings you a new anthology series featuring his fan-favorite creations. The Goon, Hillbilly, La Diablia, uh, Lester of the Lesser Gods and Little the Bearded Lady will all be featured in the pages of Albatross-Exploding Funny Books. But that's not all. The series will also contain original one-off stories and satirical cartoon, cartoons by Powell. That's right. It's a printed and stapled receptacle for the bizarre musings of a backwards loon. Don't miss out on the oversized 48-page first issue. And, uh, yeah, throwback to simpler times. Uh, looks <laughs> uh, looks interesting. Uh, I think I will pick this up. Uh, love Hillbilly. Uh, been really interested to get into the loon um or the goon sorry <laughs> the loon
0: the backwoods loon the goon uh, as well so yeah uh this this sounds like fun yeah it's good and stuff's great so it is i've been reading the goon for years and just full of charm really cool uh art style as well so yeah this looks this looks fun to me as well something that caught my eye in the previous book uh just as we sort of start to wind down now but It's from a company called Magnetic Press, and they're shipping a couple of hardcover graphic novels this May, and I thought these both sounded pretty wonderful. They've got a very European flavor to them. They're both 160-page hardcovers. Uh, One is called Arsène Lupin, Gentleman Thief. So this is written by Maurice LeBlanc and illustrated by Vincent Malley. And it's uh, it's an all-ages book, or suitable for all ages anyway. And the solicitation reads, In 1907, Maurice LeBlanc released the first collection of stories recounting the adventures of Arsene Lupin, a charming thief and master of disguises, inspiring generations of anti-heroes to follow. This new edition is colourfully illustrated by artist Vincent Malley in an animated style reminiscent of Hayao Miyazaki, whose first directorial release, coincidentally, was Lupin the Third: the castle of Cagliarostro, filled with nods to LeBlanc's classic character, Great looking preview art to this, really detailed, as I say, really European flavour. And then the other book from Magnetic Press is called Adrastia, and this is by Mathieu Babley. Now this one's a mature rated book, so this is for, rated for sort of 18 and over. So this is, uh, after a thousand years on his throne, the former king of Hyperborea sets out for Mount Olympus to ask the gods why he was cursed with immortality, and how he might finally be allowed to die to rejoin the one one he once loved. On his way, he will meet men, women, gods, and goddesses, all surprisingly human in behaviour, who will influence and reveal truths to the traveller that he has long since forgotten. Babelay layers in moments of poignant reflection on his purpose of life and death set against beautifully painted landscapes and vistas, a masterclass in epic graphic storytelling. So, yeah, these I thought these both looked fantastic, and there were, there were titles that I'd never really heard of before, uh, so I think I will be uh, jumping all over that.
1: Very cool. Uh, yeah, that that uh, that first one certainly. That uh, Arsene Lupin sounds sounds really interesting. Uh, i am maybe get a wee look at those again whenever I, whenever I look back over over preview. So next up, we're uh, swinging into to Titan, and the interesting sounding Doctor Who Origins number one of four. It's a new series by writer Jody Hauser, artists are uh, Roberta Ingranata and Warnea K. Shaharawa. Uh, and these, this is the team that has been on the recent, um, oh God, the uh, Empire of the Wolf, and, uh, and a few of the more recent Doctor Who stuff, and they are doing a fantastic job. Um, this is a brand new, never before seen adventure featuring the Fugitive Doctor in her comics debut. Fugitive Doctor is an interesting uh, character from the TV series. Uh, one of the Doctor's incarnations um, that uh, sort of, she, I guess, she wasn't aware of um working for the mysterious division on a dangerous assignment the doctor uncovers something in foot. discover why this re- re- regeneration became known as the fugitive um so yeah looking forward to looking forward to that because as I say it's the same creative team that brought us Missy and Time Lord Victorious and uh the recent Empire of the Wolf stuff so
0: so a new Doctor Who book for the Doctor Who heads in the store, and you mm-hmm. know exactly who you are. Oh, indeed. <laughs> and then All right, take us home. Take us home. We're on to the final the final stretch now and the final book that we're going to showcase here. And this is one that uh, I've really loved. It, it was only a three-issue miniseries from Vault Comics that came out last year called Barbaric. Absolutely brilliant book. Think of Conan, but full of more attitudes, swearing, a talking axe that acts as a moral compass. Just brilliant, brilliant storytelling and they're bringing out a one-shot in May called Barbaric the Harvest Blades. So, I mean you can get a sense of the tone of this book just by its blur, believe me. So it's uh, like a punch in the privates, Barbaric is back, bloodier and more irreverent than ever, in this one-shot Owen the Barbarian, cursed to do good, is forced out of hiding and back to his old BS. A whole bunch of violence, ethically approved, of course, by his moral compass, his talking axe. Find out for yourself why Entertainment Weekly, Thrillist, Screen Rant, and a whole bunch of other people, me included, call Barbaric one of the best comics of 2021 in this all-new one-shot. So I highly recommend jumping on that. They brought out a beautiful hardcover for the original series, which we have in store. I made sure to order quite a substantial amount of those, because I kind of get the feeling that's a book people are maybe going to come to a little later than... Planned, so yeah, that is in a one and a half hour nutshell. Uh, the previews book gone through for March. Uh, most titles due out in May. There is the odd uh, advance solicitation in there for later in the year, but by and large, I'd say 95% of those titles are out in May. So, uh-huh. as ever, get in touch with the store, you know, drop us a message, drop us an email, pop in. We can always make sure to get titles on your pull list to make sure that you don't miss out on any of these titles. You'll always be guaranteed first prints. You'll always be guaranteed cover price, and always available on the day of release. So that was uh, a lot of comics to get through, and uh, a lot to look forward to.
1: Mm-hmm. That was uh, yeah, good fun. Uh, I will be going away and uh,
0: putting together my uh, my pick list for uh, for me I'll have it to you shortly. Which is always a. a- Docs, Google document due to the amount of changes. <laughs> so uh, I look forward to receiving it. And I'm sure I'll be working on it tomorrow. But uh no, thanks as always, man, for going through the previews book with me. Always great to to have your picks in there as well as my own, and always nice to learn a few new things along the way. Mm-hmm. Likewise. So uh, yeah, guys, I hope this proved useful as ever. Uh, we're always wanting to get this out there just because it can be hard sometimes to to navigate the, the massive release lists that are posted month on month. So uh, hopefully you found something there that that piques your interest. But again, hope this proved useful. Hope you guys are staying safe out there and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in the store very soon. So I've been Alan Taylor and this has been Keith Miller
1: you can find alan in store at coffee and heroes and on twitter where alan is at coffee and heroes one and i'm a Scannison 0 coffee and heroes is a local comic book shop coffee shop and community hub in northern ireland based at
0: smithfield market in the center of belfast you can find coffee and heroes on facebook twitter and instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com make sure to check out our youtube channel as well